Bibles, we do have uh, new lights in the room to make it a little easier for us. Uh, yay! Um, some people were complaining about it was so bright, but here we are. So we are, I'm, I'm digressing. Uh, anyways, uh, here we are. Isaiah, what? Just read the Bible, Jason. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died... That's the year 740 B.C. We were not there. Uh, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. Lot for covering. And, with one, and, and one called to the another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand, uh, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. God, I pray for this morning as we dig into your word. Father, no two people are 100% alike in this room. Father, some of us are coming here with, uh, Lord, you know it's a sense of joy. It's a sense of celebration. That's, that's the moment they find themselves in. Father, there's others that are here simply because of routine, simply because of habit. Father, there are others that are coming in hurting and, and, and almost starting to question, Lord, are you, are you real? Are you present? Are you, are, are you there in the pain? Father, I pray, Lord, as only your word and only your spirit can do, your spirit that lives inside of every believer, only your spirit can speak to every single person here. And so, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would make this more than a Sunday. Father, I pray that uh, this would be a time, Lord, where we get to fixate our gaze, our thoughts, Father, that distractions that we walk in here with. Holy Spirit, would you remove distractions of the mind, distractions of the phone, distractions of the people around us, Father, that would you help us to fixate upon you? We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Uh, I, uh, we are starting a new series today. It's called uh, Hello. Uh, I think there's an Adele song that we should have played, I heard, today. Uh, and so, uh, but anyways, we're starting a new series called Hello. It's going to be on prayer. We're going to spend the next four weeks looking at prayer. Uh, why is that important? It's important because uh, every single person I've ever talked to about faith tells me they pray. Uh, and at the same time, every single person I've ever talked to about faith tells me they don't know how to pray. Uh, and so I don't get it, but, you know, so I feel like it's a needed conversation. Uh, so we're going to work through this, uh, this acronym called, uh, called ACTS, uh, A-C-T. Uh, S. And uh, we'll get more into that in a, in a second. Uh, but prayer is something that, like, how do we pray? What do we do? What comes after the hello God? When I was a, a youth pastor a handful of years ago, I was mentoring a kid, and uh, we were in the kitchen at Bayside Chapel and the church there. And uh, we had just started, you know, we were just digging into God's Word and, and wrestling on that together. 
And I was like, okay, time came to an end. I was like, why don't, why don't you pray? Uh, pray. We just had like this powerful moment of, of scripture. I was like, so why don't you pray? Uh, and so he, he, he bows his head in kind of a posture of prayer uh, and then says, oh, big papa up in the sky. And I was like, okay. Uh, uh, I was like, okay, fart breath. Why don't we pause? And uh, I was a different type of youth pastor. Uh, and I was like, why don't we just like, hey, that, that might be good like when you're kind of starting off and maybe you don't know better. And, and God is a relational God. And it's good to be relational with our God. Uh, but when you kind of understand God, you understand that like, maybe we should just have maybe more of a posture of reverence and like, you know, not be like holy, you know, like, you know, you know, like our, our poop don't stink, but like, let's just kind of like, maybe just change it up just a little bit, you know, other than uh, big papa up in the sky. And, uh, and I think the point, I think connected. And uh, so that's kind of one version of prayer. On the, on the other extreme, uh, I heard this prayer recently and it's, a, it's another way of praying, a scripted prayer. Have you read kind of those, like this is a Franciscan prayer those like those age-old prayers that if you kind of research like the history of Christianity, it might come up some of these beautiful prayers that people have written down for us to read publicly or to even pray ourselves. Here's, here's one of them, a Franciscan prayer. It says, May God bless you with discomfort at easy half-truths and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and the exploitation of people so that you may work justice, work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to, sh to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, hunger, and war so that you may reach your hand to comfort them and turn their pain to joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done to bring justice and kindness to our children and to the poor. Amen. A beautiful prayer. Is that the only way to pray? You know, some of us grew up in a tradition, my dad can tell you stories and, and make you giggle a little bit about being beat as a child in a certain school and then being told to pray Hail Marys. Uh, some of us came out of that. And so what is, what is prayer? What do we do with the hello? And so over these next few weeks, we'll look at prayer and we'll follow the acronym of ACTS, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Supplication being a, a churchy word, a fancy word to say, like, bring your requests to God. Uh, and so we'll follow this script, but here's what I want us to know right from the very beginning. Any healthy relationship has to transcend a script. <laughs> This is a model and a blueprint, something easy to remember. But I cannot have a script when I talk to my wife. <laughs> I do not go to my wife and say, okay, we're going to have a conversation. Uh, so let's tackle A. Okay, now let's tackle C. Uh, okay, now let's tackle T. A healthy re relationship will transcend the scripted, although there is a time for the scripted from time to time. And so adoration, how would we define adoration? Adoration would be defined like this, a deep love and respect worship, that we adore God. Here's what I want us to be thinking about as we go through this text. It's hard to adore what we tend to ignore. Think about this. Here's that first verse in our passage of Isaiah, a prophet to the nation of Israel. He says, in the year that the king of King Uzziah died, 740 BC, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Here, here is, is this a king uh, that has passed away. You know when he took over as king? He was 16. 
He reigned for 52 years in the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel that when Solomon died was split and there would be good king, bad king. It was kind of chronicled that way of like, was the king good or, or and worshiping God or was the king bad and not worshiping God? Here was a king made king at 16 and you think God can't use you because you're young? 52 years of prosperity, perhaps the godliest king in that, in that time period that the nation had. And here he was, now he's 52 years of all this good, all this prosperity, and he's dead. And so now the nation is wondering, Isaiah is wondering, are we going to be held captive by other people? Are the years of prosperity gone? Are, are we going to plummet? All of this anxiety and feelings around somebody who had died. Have you been there? And so what does Isaiah do? Much like the psalm that we read a few weeks ago, Isaiah goes to the temple. And he looks up and gets this unique perspective from the temple. He, he, he gets his vision up in heaven. And, and what God in his goodness does is he shows Isaiah, don't put your confidence in an earthly king. Put your confidence in the king who's on the throne and is always on the throne, who continues to be on the throne, who's never off the throne. Put your, put, your, put your gaze, put your trust, put your fixation on the one, the king who's on the throne, that all of the universe centers around him and his throne. My kids uh, uh, do their own kind of Bible stuff in the morning. Brady's working through the Psalms and, and Landon's working through the New Testament. And my daughter is working through uh, How Great Is Our God by, by Louis Giglio because she's eight. Uh, and so uh, we were reading this the other day, and uh, one of the points that was made uh, was that, hey, you know, here's, here's a sad truth in life, that there are going to be people that you want to call, and that they're going to answer your call, they're going to answer your call, they're going to answer your call until they don't. One day you'll want to call somebody, and they won't be there to answer because life is, is fixed. And I was like, man, Louie, kind of chill a little bit. That's, that's tough. Uh, and, but then he went on to say, like, well, Fix your gaze upon God who is eternal. And started talking about my God who is uh, always is, that he doesn't have a, a birthday or a death day. He, he is always. And so you never have to wonder if God is not going to answer. And it was this beautiful moment that I'm having with my eight-year-old daughter. And I kind of stepped back and I was like, man, that's some deep stuff. And I was like, man, I, can, I don't have to worry about uh, praying to God and being like, God, are you there? Have you retired? Are you good? And, and then I stepped back. I was like, man, that also means that like, my God is always in his prime. I don't have to wonder, is this like, is LeBron in his prime? Is this going to be the last shot, the last moment of greatness I'll never see again? Like my God is always in his prime. I don't have to wonder if there's greatness that's going to retire and no longer be there, that my God is in his prime and always present. And, and so my daughter didn't understand all of that, <laughs> and nor did she care. <sighs> but a lot of deep things can come out of simple truths, right? So if I'm going to take a moment of vulnerability for a second, Graham makes it as his announcement, and I feel forgotten, overlooked, and left behind. So when I take a step back, away from my selfishness, and I think about my Jesus, my Jesus sees me because he sees all. When I take a step back, away from my selfishness, I'm not forgotten about by a God who's in control of all. I'm not overlooked. When I take a step back, I'm not belittled by a God who goes before me and fights for me. 
I might be 39 plus one, uh, questioning whether I'm in my prime, but my God is always in his prime. <laughs> it's, we tend to ignore, we tend, we, we have a hard time adoring what we tend to ignore. Here's where the psalmist now uh, continues on in, in what he says in these next few verses. He says, above him stood the seraph and each had six wings. Two he covered his face and with two he covered his feet and with two he flew and one, and one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory and the foundations of the thresholds shook and his voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. You get this picture of unimaginable glory. You have this heavenly being up there and and declaring the holiness and the glory of God. That's not something that we typically think about. But here is this, this seraphim, this, this heavenly being with wings that will, that will cover because, man, like in, in my sinfulness, I can't approach the throne, but, 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 yet I, but yet I can. And as I approach the throne, here's what I see as my mind is fixated on the God who is on the throne, my God who is in control of, of all. Here's what I want to everybody to know. Here's what, here's what I want to say to this king. Holy are you. Holy, holy, holy. The, the whole earth is filled with your glory. And that's our struggle, isn't it? We, we, he, we live here on earth. <laughs> and Romans talks about this. Romans says like, we can look around and we can know the glory of God just by looking around. Romans chapter 1. And yet what Romans chapter 1 also says is here's what we're tempted to do. We're tempted to worship created things versus the creator. In the, in the perfection of heaven, we get to gaze upon the throne to know that my God is truly full of glory, full of holiness. But we tend to worship what is lesser, and that is idolatry. See, whatever we would crave to be with more than God is kind of a moment where we have to check ourselves and and we have to then fix our gaze upon what will bring us sight to glory. And so when I was taking some extended time, I enjoy hiking. I'm not, a, mount, I'm not a, a beach person. I know there's some beach people in here. I know it's heresy to say, I'm not really a beach person, uh, that I would prefer to go to the mountains and hike a mountain and get to a mountain top. Uh, and a few of us are hillbilly enough to say that. And, uh, and so while I was uh, on vaca- uh, vaca- extended break, you could say sabbatical, uh, one of my favorite hikes was uh, Mount Lafayette, where there's extended miles above the tree line, uh, and you can look around everything. Here's a, here's a short little video of it. It was just awesome to see nothing man-made. I, I enjoy um, hiking with my family because I enjoy torture. Uh, and so, uh, you know, hiking with my family, we always get to the top and, and we'll see some beautiful moment. And I'll, and I'll always shout out like, man, guys, like God made this. Like, look at this. Like God made this. And, and my son never responds, but he speaks with his eyes. Um, 
and it's not a good speaking with the eyes. And, uh, and so like, but I say it every time and every time I'm like, God made this, they roll their stinking eyes. And I'm like, I'm gonna I'm pluck those eyes out. Uh, and so, but it's kind of become like this inside joke that I get to step back and I get to look at creation. And I get to see the glory of God. Do we step back to see and to think about the glory of God? The orange skies in the, in the morning or the, in, in the evening, isn't that the glory of God? Isn't it the glory of God when, when, when I'm at Walter's funeral and I see his daughter stand up and speak words of strong faith around her dad's passing? Isn't it to the glory of God when my daughter gets off the bus and runs 50 feet into her dad's arms? Isn't it to, to the glory of God when, when we're in pain and a friend just comes, not with words, but just to be present and to cry with us? Isn't it to the glory of God when a, when a mom, a single mom is a professional Uber driver going frantically from place to place to place to place to place and happens to cut somebody off one time? Isn't it to the glory of God that she cuts off the Christian that instead of honking and waving, we'll take a moment and pray for her? Why don't we see the glory of God when it's evident all around us? There's probably many reasons, but I'm going to argue two. One, one uh, selfishness and one busyness. Here's how we would define uh, selfishness according uh, to the Google. Uh, the quality or condition of being selfish. So that's not good. Uh, that's a terrible definition. Uh, but you guys, I don't actually have to define selfishness. You know when we're fixated upon ourselves. Uh, busyness is defined like this, the state or condition of having a great deal to do. And so here's, but here's our problem. Some of us have a great deal to do, but do we? The I have to do versus I choose to do. See, we're, a lot of us are busier than we have to be. Uh, and so I think that this is part of the problem of not seeing the glory of God is that we, we are sometimes so fixated on our own glory that, of course, we're not going to see the glory of God. Or that sometimes we choose to be so busy that we don't have time to step back and to see the glory of God. We have a hard time adoring what we tend to ignore. Here's how, here, here's how our passage uh, uh, concludes. Uh, he says this, and, and so woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then the seraphim flew to me, having uh, in his hand a burning coal, and he had taken the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Isaiah gets a picture of holiness. And his first thought is, I can't approach. I can't go. I can't get close. I'm sinful. Woe, woe to me. But God in his goodness purifies him. God does something. God initiates something. See, Isaiah doesn't try to purify himself. What good is that? I mean, you and I are delusional if we think on our own merit, we have the right to go before the throne. We have, we have no way of getting there ourselves. We, we have no way of purifying ourselves. But, but God in his goodness... Uh, purifies Isaiah, it cleanses him of, of sin, and, and Isaiah is now able to approach the throne. But in that approaching, you and I understand this when we really give over to the thoughts of our own humanity, that man, in our own right, isn't it hard to consider going for the perfect throne of the king and the creator of this universe? That sometimes we want to create this distance. 
I am sometimes challenged by the example of people that I see within this church. I'll tell you three real quick ones recently. I was challenged by Wheels, my good friend, who last week told me how this week he's pouring into his, his family and his son-in-law as they're out, that he's, he's helping his, his mother, uh, mother not his mother-in-law, but Josh's mom, uh, and she's sick, and she's getting surgery, and it's a lot of work. But he looks to Josh and says, hey, we're family. I got this. I was challenged by that example. I was challenged by Reuben, who we, I think we talked about last week or the week before. His wife had broken her arm or is, is, is severely broken in a lot of recovery. And she's texting with Ava, and they're giggling about how he's downstairs trying to fold clothing with three young kids and how it's a train wreck and hilarious all at the same time. And I'm like, yeah, it's hilarious now, but in two months, it's not going to be so hilarious. Uh, but he's doing it because he's a good dad and a good husband. I was challenged by that. I was challenged by Big Mike, who, who him and the team painted the room that we just added on. And then when it was all done, sent me a picture of the crew and said, we prayed over the room. Do I pause to pray like that? See, sometimes I see these examples and I'm like, oh, good for you. Never be around me ever again because I feel convicted. <laughs> and that's human nature, isn't it? Like human nature to, to, to feel like, and it's really, what's really, think about this, it's what the devil wants. For you and I to think about how unholy we are in light of his holiness and to create this distance. Stay away, stay away, stay away, stay away. The devil loves that. The devil's good with staying away. But for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son to come to earth and tell all sinners to stay away. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son so that we could be in eternity with him. To turn from our sins and not turn to nothing. To turn from our sins and turn to the one true king who actually desires to be with us. And it's to his glory that we accept the gift that he's given to us. Our big thought for uh, today is simply this, is that we learn to adore when we stop ignoring God. I think sometimes we fail to see holiness simply because we fail, we fail to care about holiness. We don't think about this. We don't think about glory. We don't give our minds over to these things. But Jason, isn't this about prayer? Jason, isn't this about like adoration? Yeah, I think adoration is that moment, that bridge to life change. I think adoration is that moment where we pause and we think about the Lord. When we pause and think about, man, my God loves me and he, he wants to be near me. Man, I want to be overwhelmed by his mercy. Like his mercy is monumental when I think about how monumental his love is and how monumental my brokenness is. Like adoration is that moment where we give all of that thinking over him. Next week we talk about confession. It's going to be hard to really own our sin if we belittle our God, if we don't see the magnitude of our God. I'll, 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 give you, I'll give you this example, a meaningful relationship and, and how that can compel us to give it a little bit more thought. Like anybody, my wife and I can put the kids to bed and like anybody, our kids come down 38 times after they've gone to bed 
uh, because every night it's a surprise that they have to brush their teeth. Uh, and so uh, they go to bed. And so my wife and I will uh, start scrolling on news apps or scrolling and trolling on social media, whatever it might be. And, uh, and so we'll, we'll just kind of have our own time, I guess, on, on the couch or in bed or whatnot, just kind of scrolling and trolling. And, and I, we were doing that the other night, and I, and I came across a news article of a young lady that was beheaded. And her mom and dad finding out about it, I think even seeing pictures and being wrecked and trying to make people aware. And it moved me for a little bit, but if I'm honest, I mean, come on, you've been there. It moved me for like three or four minutes. And then I went on to the next thing. I woke up the next day. I went on with my life because in comparison to my own kids, it's, there is no comparison. But yet, isn't it equally as important? See, it impacted me for three or four minutes, but if it were Reagan, my daughter, it would impact me for a lifetime. Why? Because of the relationship, the, the meaning behind the person. And that's not to belittle what has happened. Please hear the context of what I am saying. I think you and I, we need to go to a place where the meaning of a relationship with God actually means something in our day-to-day -day lives. And when we get to that place, man, his unspeakable mercy is so good, isn't it? And so this is where we want to go back to a place of prayer. This is where I want to challenge you guys this week. You guys have cards on your seat. If not, see an aisle host. They'll get you one on your way out. I want to challenge you to engage with God. It's one of our values here at Wellspring Church is that we're going to engage with him on a daily basis. We're going to engage with God as often as we can, that we should be engaging our faith, engaging him through his word, engaging him through prayer, interacting with our faith and not making it a one-hour-a-week thing. And so I'm challenging you this week to now pray the Psalms because there's plenty of Psalms that we would consider uh, Psalms of adoration. And here are four of them, Psalm 34, 92, 111. That four times this week that you would read the Psalm, I'm going to suggest audibly because I think it connects better with us when we read something out loud. To pause, to read, pause, reflect, and then just pray about the goodness of God. Let your mind be there. Let your mind go there. And it sets us up for next week when we get to love our God by giving him the worst of us and receiving the best of him. Would you guys stand and let me pray before we go into this last worship song? God, I... Uh... Lord, I thank you for time together with family. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you are perfect. <laughs> that you are holy, that you are separate from unholy humanity. You by yourself are, are separate in just who you are. And yet, Father, you draw us in. You bring us close. You choose not to stay separated. You're good. So, Father, I pray as we sing now, Father, as we lift our words, as we, as we reflect through, through singing, Father, would you still speak to us as we leave this place, Father? Would Holy Spirit, 
if this matters for anything, would it please matter for more than an hour? Move it in us in that way. We love you in your name. Amen.